traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's pretty much an extension of that. Of that. Um, you know, and thinking back to the days when um, I was in my early adult years yeah. and a lot of the mistakes I made with money, <laughs> right? So I just wanted to kind of give uh, young people a resource they can use to help them um, learn that information early on, like get the basic, you know, understanding of how money works and what they can do to help, you know, save and, you know, prepare for the future. So just putting that in a book form, you know, kind of helps them um, a long way. Because again, also back then I was doing um, a lot of workshops using other books, like mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And also- Are you looking to buy or sell your home, but not quite sure if now is the right time? Well, contact Morgan & Co. and allow them to help you make that decision. Morgan & Co. is a leading, top producing company in Central Virginia. Contact Morgan & Co. today at 804 804- 874-6806 or anytime, day or night at www.morganandcorealty.com Now back to the episode. Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast where I find regular people doing extraordinary and phenomenal things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. And of course, I'm your host, Dr. K. I have with me today, Kerwin Phillip. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing entrepreneur, uh, financial advisor, author, and probably more than I even know about. <laughs> so go ahead and introduce yourself to us. Yes, yes, yes. How you doing? Uh, my name is Kerwin Phillip. I'm an author. Uh, my first book I released in January, uh, Malik's First Job, Financial Principles for Teens. I'm also the uh, president and co-founder of the Youth Business Exchange, which is a um, nonprofit organization uh, that supports youth, youth entrepreneurs, um, you know, we do an annual uh, event, the Richmond Children's Business Fair, which is a platform marketplace that allows uh, youth entrepreneurs between the ages of five and 17 to promote their products and services to the general public. That's awesome. Yes, um, not, not only doing something for yourself, but a whole lot for the community and yes. giving back. Yes, yes. What made you want to do something that gives back? Oh, man, you know, um, just, you know, I had the opportunity to do different things in life, mm-hmm. you know, um, being able to go to school, you know, go to college, education, things of that sort. And just want to be able to give back to those, you know, help my community, mm-hmm. you know, by sharing the information that I've learned throughout the years. Um, you know, every kid is not going to go to college. Every kid is not going to go pursue the MBA and stuff like that. But you have kids that have aspirations and want to do better and do great things. And they just need some type of mentorship or some guidance on how to get to where they want to be. Yeah. What what type of mentorship did you have growing up? Oh, man. You know, growing up in uh, in Brooklyn, right, I had, I think the time when I grew up, it was like, uh, it was more community oriented, right, where the entire neighborhood, you know, looked out for the for the young people. Mm-hmm. Like, there was two groups that the uh, the community looked after, the elders and the youth, right? So I grew up amongst a, amongst a good brothers mm-hmm. that made sure that, you know, that the kids in the neighborhood, you know, stayed out of trouble, you know, that they were um, had some guidance, some mentorship, things of that sort. You know, you know, they made sure that, 
you know, we, you know, we stayed out of trouble. They had basketball courts mm-hmm. that they built on abandoned buildings, right? Whereas, you know, as, as opposed to us going to other neighborhoods that could and possibly get in trouble, yeah. we could play ball on the block right there and be protected, you know, and, you know, play basketball, football, you know, skelly, different street games. But again, they kept it within that same community. So, you know, they had, you know, the older guys looked out for us. Yeah, that's good. Did you have somebody in particular or was it just the the nature of the community kind of uh, it takes a village to raise a child type mentality? Or, or was yeah. there one person in particular that helped you out? I think it was more so the village. You know, of course, I had my parents at home, you know, my dad, my mom, you know, they gave me guidance as well. Mm-hmm. But then when I was outside the home, the extension was the guys in the neighborhood that okay. really looked out. You know, they kind of set the example, you know, as far as, you know, what we should do for others. Yeah. And then tell me a little bit more about the uh, nonprofit, kind of what's the mission? I know you said you help uh, youth entrepreneurs, but right. how long has it been around? And just give me a little bit more about the... Uh, oh, wow. So uh, we started back in, I see, this is the fifth year. Well, next year will be the fifth year wow. of us doing the um, the business uh, business fair. Okay. So going back five years back in, I think, 2018, 2019, 2018, mm-hmm. you know, got me doing math in my head <laughs> right now. But uh, it was myself, uh, me and Sean Young. You know, we had a different organization called the Indugu uh, Business and Leadership Academy, okay. where we wanted to do, um, you know, do workshops and mentorship for, for young people, um, teaching about business and leadership. And then um, I was doing a um, a speech at, a, at an event for another brother who has a library, uh, Hassan Fountain. Okay. You know, he does a community library. He opens up libraries and community centers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, at the event, I met uh, C.J. Walker. And she was the, um, well, she still is the the founder of the uh, Metro RVA Teens. Okay. Right. Um, that was a, another youth oriented um, organization to help provide information to parents about things going on in the Richmond community. And um, we, we had a conversation. She said she had the idea of putting together a business fair. Mm-hmm. And that's something that me and Sean had a conversation about prior. Yeah. You know, so we said, so I went back to Sean, like, I met this young lady. She has the idea, similar to what we was talking about. Uh, putting together a business fair. Um, there's no need to, you know, if, if we're trying to work towards the same thing, let's all come together. So we did the first one at the uh, Science Museum hmm. um, of Virginia. We got together. Um, we organized it. Uh, CJ had the blueprint on how to put it together. Um, we helped her do it. And then from there, we decided to, uh, mer- I guess, all work together. And then we formed a nonprofit, the, uh, the Youth Business Exchange. Okay. And is it still all three of you, or yes. is, is CJ back out? Or no, no, it's all three of us. No, all three, all three okay. of us still uh, still do it uh, right now. We we're planning for the two thousand twenty two okay. uh, business fair. Right. Yeah. What what type of stuff goes into planning for something like that? I know it's oh, pretty big. I mean, <laughs> I came out to it uh, this year, but right. so your last one, right? And it was phenomenal. The amount of uh, youth entrepreneurs that were out there, yes. um, and not only the youth that were out there, but the type of businesses that these kids have oh, yeah. started is impressive. It kind of puts right. a lot of pressure on <laughs> us as adults. Like, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. But, um, but my question is what, what type of stuff goes into getting oh, them man. going? Oh man, just uh, a lot of planning, you know, interacting with the, with the parents, um, you know, finding children that are interested in participating. Mm-hmm. Um, can we see now that there's a huge surge in youth entrepreneurship? Um, children are seeing, um, I guess their favorite celebrities venture into business and that's motivating them to want to get into business as well. Yeah. You know, you know, with social media, you know, they're seeing everyone getting into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so they want to, you know, kind of mimic what they're seeing. You know, so and they want to make their own money. So yeah. um, finding kids that are interested in participating, 
um, as well as, you know, locking a venue down, getting sponsors to help pay for all the expenses that go into putting the event together, um, you know, making sure the children understand uh, what's expected, you know, as far as um, what it takes to sell and engage with the um, general public in uh, different things like that. So we also partner with the uh, the Metropolitan Business League, oh, yeah. you know, and they have a youth program as well. And uh, we encourage our children to, to go through their workshops, mm-hmm. right, where they can get the, the, the on-hands business skills and stuff like that, the communication skills. And then from there, they'll be able to come and work with us as far as our um, our program that we have every year. Okay. Yeah. So putting on an event like that, you mentioned a lot of stuff you need as far as uh, monetary. You need donations and sponsorship and things like that. How can people get in touch with either yourself or the organization if they want to participate or make donations? Oh, they can um, just reach out to us. Our email address is uh, youth businessexchange at gmail.com. Okay. Um, they can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, because um, right now we, we, we're rebuilding our website right mm-hmm. now. So um, just email us or they can give me a call. Um, my phone number is 706-372-1605. And uh, they can reach out to me and we can kind of have, have that conversation of how they can help out. Okay. I'll make sure I put all that information in the description and also right. whatever links uh, so okay, people can make sure they access it. Yeah. But outside of the organization, uh, what, what else do you have personally? You're an author, correct? Yeah. yeah like I said, I have the, uh, the book, uh, Malik's First Job, Financial Principles for Teens. Okay. Yeah. That I put out earlier this year. All right. And, and what's the premise of the book? Uh, man, it's about a, a young man that goes on his first job interview. Um, then soon, soon, shortly thereafter, he realizes that um, he needs to learn how to manage his money. Mm-hmm. So he sits down with his dad and his dad, you know, kind of shares with him nine principles on how to manage his finances. Just, you know, some information that can kind of help him you know, get ahead. All right. Yeah. And your background is in finance? Yeah, I have my, my uh, bachelor's in accounting. Okay. Yeah. And w- what made you want to uh, package all of that up into a book and and help people out that way? Well, um, you know, it kind of stems from the work that my Sean and I was doing okay. as far as, um, you know, trying to do workshops, teaching kids about business and financial literacy. Um, so just pretty much an extension of that. Of that. Um you know, and thinking back to the days when um, I was in my early adult years yeah. and a lot of the mistakes I've made with money. <laughs> right. So I just wanted to kind of give uh, young people a resource they can use to help them um, learn that information early on. Like get the basic, you know, understanding of how money works and what they can do to help, you know, save and, you know, prepare for the future. So just putting that in a book form, you know, kind of helps them. Um, a long way because again also back then I was doing uh, a lot of workshops using other books like mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon Rich Dad Poor Dad yeah. and oftentimes, you know when you speak to kids in our community some of the characters and the storylines in the book they couldn't relate to right so I wanted to find a way how can I take that same information and package it in a, in a um, format or in a, um, a scenario or a scenery that relates to them because the yeah. book is based in, in Brownsville, Brooklyn okay. where I'm from uh, shopping area known as Pitkin Avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, people in Brooklyn know it's like a shopping district. It's just like um, how Broad Street used to be in Richmond yeah. back in the day, yeah. right? And how it was just jumping and a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, and so every community has uh, a shopping district that's in the neighborhood that people can, you know, shop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's in the neighborhood, going a local business owner, a sneaker store. A lot of our kids are in the sneakers, yeah. right, and clothing. So, again, the, the whole scenario is um, is fitting for what our kids relate to, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, they can uh, learn how to 
um, not just manage money, but there's other elements I put inside the book as well. Okay. You know, like how to prepare for a job interview, how to conduct yourself during a job interview. Man, right? a lot of people aren't even discussing like the right. preparation it takes for a, a job interview. Oh, yeah. Like that. That's, yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, because I know I, I think back to like one of my first job interviews, I was sent home. Yeah. You know, because I didn't come dressed appropriately. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, sitting there in the office because, um, you know, it was in Manhattan. And back then you went through the newspaper and you say, oh, this person's hiring. Yeah. Oh, interviews on Wednesday. So he just show up on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, so showed up there. Um, didn't have a suit or anything like that. So I wore what I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, some jeans. I had a button up shirt. Right. I think I had some casual shoes. And when I got there, sitting in the waiting room, um, I'm looking around and everybody else is suited up. Yeah. Right. And I'm the guy looking very, very casual. Mm-hmm. Right. So then the gentleman came out and uh, he looked at me. He said, come in my office. Let me talk to you for a minute. Right. So I went in there, sat down. He said, um, now you see how everybody else is out there dressed? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. He said, okay, you see how you're dressed? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go home, come back tomorrow, come dress appropriately. Then we'll do the interview at that point in time. So I left. Uh, ended up going downtown Brooklyn, um, went to a, mm-hmm. a, a sporting goods store, you know, cause I was like, you know, cause back then I couldn't get, cause I didn't have no money yeah, right. to buy no clothes and my okay. mother's at work and trying to do that whole thing would have been too hectic. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I just went, I was, you know, the rest of the day I wasn't doing anything. So I just went walking around downtown Brooklyn, ended up getting a job at a sporting goods store. Um, they were hiring and I put an application in and gentleman said, okay, come back tomorrow. And I ended up working there. So I never went back. So you never went back to nah. the one in Manhattan? Nah, I never oh, went back. Okay. Never went back. But it always stood out to me that, that the gentleman was, able to get, was willing to give me another chance, mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Right? He could have came, did the interview, knowing that he wasn't going to hire me. Yeah. And then just not say anything. But he took time to uh, make, it, make it a learning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, educational lesson at that point in time. And uh, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and that's his way of giving back. So it's things like that that happen throughout life that make you willing want to give back to others because people looked out for you in that, in that same fashion. Yeah, they gave you opportunities. So yes, yeah. it's only right that you pass that on. Right. Um, but that's a that's a very valuable lesson um, because a lot of youth they feel like the way they dress at school mm-hmm. or the way they dress around with their friends is right. going to be acceptable at a job, and that's oh, not no. necessarily the case. It kind of, I mean, obviously it depends on. Yeah. Uh, the career path you're going for. Right. But um, I've even seen people who are uh, have certain majors uh, in in school mm-hmm. and uh, that university makes them dress a certain part. Like if you're a business major at, right. at uh, most HBCUs, actually, they, yeah. they make you come dress professionally right. at least one day a week for that class. Yeah. Or whatever. So that's yeah. a very valuable lesson. I, I think early. back then we didn't we didn't do it. We didn't do that back then. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I think it's something that's, that's done now. OK. Yeah. 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 So, so um, where'd you go to school at? Um, um, speaking of HBCUs. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Morgan State University. Okay. Yeah, is where, where I got my uh, my undergrad from right. in accounting. Right. Yeah. And uh, what what made you choose not only uh, Morgan State <laughs> but HBCU in, in general? Well, back then it was um, uh, my cousin went there. Okay. Right. Uh, what happened? Um, you know, growing up in New- I went to a private school, predominantly you know Caucasian private school. Okay. In uh, high school in Manhattan. And um, and it came time for me to go to college. I had a couple of schools that wanted me to play football, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I was trying to keep the, you know, keep it as basic as possible. So, so I applied to um, to three schools. It was uh, SUNY at Albany. Uh-huh. They wanted me to play football there. Uh, Stony Brook. 
They want me to play football. And then I, again, um, I can't remember if I went to Morgan before I applied to them, or it may have, I may have went before. Um, but my cousin again went to Morgan, uh-huh. and I had an unofficial visit. Uh-huh. Right, so it was Easter break, my senior year. Um, I went to go visit Albany on that Sunday. Right, then I was supposed to go to Morgan that Monday, and then when I got back, I was gonna stay there like two days. Then when I got back, I was going to Stony Brook the following Friday. So I went to Albany. Um, it snowed the night before, right? So there was about like six feet of snow Whoa. across the whole campus. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the recruiters like, yeah, it snows like this on a regular basis. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, okay. So mental note, I'm not going here. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I uh, already made my, made my decision after seeing the snow. Okay, soon, I mean, Albany is not where I'm going. Yeah. Right? So um, came back Monday, got on Amtrak, went to, went to Morgan. Okay. Right. And I stayed in my, in my cousin's dorm, you know, for a couple of days, you know, went to class with him, you know, hung around campus. And I just the whole vibe, mm-hmm. you know, because back then you had like different world Cosby shows, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So <laughs> seeing that in real life, it's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, it just it, it was it was just it was just lit. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, OK, I'm going here. This is where I'm going. Yeah. Right. So then when I got back uh, from Morgan, got back to New York, um, I called the recruiter from Stony Brook. I was supposed to go there on Friday. Okay. And I'm like. I'm not coming. He was like, at least come see the campus. I'm like, look, I'm not going to waste your time. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time. Uh, I visited Morgan I'm State sold. this week. Yeah. I'm going to Morgan State. Yeah. That's it. You know. Did you end up playing ball for him or, or you just. I, I wanted to initially, him? but then um, when I got there, you know, because they didn't, I wasn't recruited. Okay. I had sent them tapes and all that, but, you know, just never, mm. you know, uh, never came out of anything. So um, I said I was going to sit out my first year. And tried my second year, mm-hmm. but got to hanging out and chilling. I seen the football players going out early in the morning, oh. and I'm like, I'm good. Nah, I'm, yeah, good. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good. So, but you uh, obviously, in order to try to play for college, you played high school at least. Yeah, right? yeah, I played high school. And I played high school er- earlier years than that too, or just just high school. Uh, <laughs> I tried to do like uh, Pop Warner. Okay, like like when I was like, I had friends, you know, that uh, that did the Pop Warner like seventh eighth grade, and. Um, it wasn't my time yet. You know, they had me running laps and mm-hmm. I couldn't keep up. Because at the time, you know, it was, it was like weight class. It was based on weight. Yeah. And I was, what, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. But because of my weight, I would have to play with the 16-year-olds. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't really conditioned to play with the 16-year-old kids. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't hang with them at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, not, you know, I probably went to a couple practices and then, you know, ended up just stop stop going. But I didn't play until I got to high school. My, my freshman year is when I they had a freshman football team. And then that was when I first started playing. Yeah. Like, you know, we played street ball and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But as far as organized, organized. it was uh, my freshman year in high school. Was that your only sport or any others? Um, <laughs> I wanted to play basketball, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, you know, mm-hmm. basketball season comes right after uh, football season. Yeah. So we were still, like, kind of wrapping up football. And a friend of mine came downstairs into the gym, like, in the locker room. And he said, oh, the uh, – Basketball coach said, you know, any football players interested in playing basketball need to come to the gym right now. Yeah. Right? So I said, okay, bet. You know, I want to, because, you know, we played ball in the block. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to play ball. Yeah. (laughs) Play ball. All right. So I ended up going, when I walked into the gym, like they were practicing, Mm -hmm. they were doing suicides. And I saw them doing suicides. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> I'll pass. If they were doing anything else, if they were running like regular drills, yeah. I'd have did it. But my first With impression, lines, yeah. the first impression when I saw yeah. basketball was running, yeah. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. So, 
that, that changed the course of history. Because if they was doing anything else, I'd probably play basketball and football. Yeah, you're right. You know, but, you know. But from your um, experience with football, though, did you get any valuable lessons that have helped you throughout life? Because a oh. lot of people that I talk to that are successful, they they all have that common thread when it comes to sports. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in football, um, you learn to, um, you know, you, you suffer losses. Yeah. You know, but even though you may suffer a loss, like, let's say not a, uh, not, the, not a loss of the game, but let's say if you miss a block mm-hmm. or you miss a tackle yeah. and the other team scores, right, you still have another chance, okay, I can try to score against them mm-hmm. or I have another chance to try to stop them, right? So even though you may have lost this particular ba- individual battle, the whole game is like the war, right? Yeah. So you haven't lost the war. You can still win the war if you lose this individual battle. So I may, I may be locked in with a... Uh, uh, offensive, I play defensive tackle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so the the defense, the offensive lineman may be able to block me in this play, but I got another chance to try at it again. Yeah. Right. So the same thing with business mm-hmm. or even life. You know, you may fail at certain things, but there's always another opportunity for you to try again and do better. Right. Yeah. Or perhaps you know you may engage with the offensive lineman. It's okay. You see, okay, he has a tendency to, to lean this way or do this. Mm-hmm. So then you, you learn from that. Then you come back again and you try to use that to your advantage. Yeah. So, you know, they teach you to bounce back. You know, after you, um, you know, you may have had a setback. Let's try again. Yeah, the, the speed in which you recover, um, especially in life and in business, is very important. Because some people stay down just too long and yep. then um, they kind of get swallowed up in that, in that yeah. negativity or that, that uh, kind of circular reasoning. And they start doubting themselves and yep. things like that. So yep. you learned, learned yeah. a valuable lesson early. Yeah. Yeah, you know, of course, teamwork. You know, you can't. You know, you're not going to beat the other team by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a you have other guys, eleven men on the field, mm-hmm. or ten other men on the field working with you to help defeat this other team. Yeah, and everyone has a role to play, right? If I'm the if I'm the offensive lineman, my job is to block. I can't block and run the ball, mm-hmm. right? So I got to you know, as they say, stay in your lane, do what you do, and as long as everybody works together. Then we can see, you know, success, you know, as a as a team and not as an individual. Because yeah. even though the, the running back gets glorified for scoring a touchdown, he it's offensive it. lineman who had to create the hole for him to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's, it's not something that's done by itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then that that works in business uh, for you probably more times than you can count. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, everything that you've done with your life just seems like it's so much geared towards giving back and not only giving back to the community, but specifically for children. Like you, yes. you just have a true passion for our youth. Yeah. And, um, I just kind of want to know, uh, what are your next steps? What do you see? Uh, uh you know, I, you know, I have other books to write, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I have a podcast coming okay. out soon, yeah. You know, which I'm gonna have you on as well. Thank you. The, the Malik's first job podcast coming soon. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, just trying to ex- expand my reach. You know, get into the school system. Just trying to help more children. Okay. Right. Because you know they're the future. Mm-hmm. Right. All the problems that we see today, they only change. You know, if if the people change, and a lot of you know a lot of us are older, we can't. You know, um, we, we can try to change, but we can only. Uh, we can't correct the mistakes we made to be made those mistakes, but we can always, we can always go back and teach those that's coming behind us yeah. so that they don't make the same mistakes that we did and they have a better advantage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good one, man. Yeah. Uh, I never, never really thought about it like that. Obviously you can't correct your mistakes, but, yeah. but just really putting it in that perspective, it's an eye opener. Yeah. 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 
So um, you talk about getting into the schools. Uh, one, one thing a lot of people talk about that they're really upset with is that our schools don't teach financial literacy. They don't teach uh, kids even the, the minimum things on how to budget or how to fill out a check and mm -hmm. things of that nature. And you're talking about you want to get into schools. Right. Do you have you already tried and are you seeing any pushback from the education system? Well, actually, um, there's certain states that are that are mandate uh, financial literacy in high schools. Okay. And Virginia happens, happens to be one of them. Oh. So it's taught right. like the sophomore year. There's an um, economics and personal finance class mm -hmm. that's taught at the high school level um, where they cover, you know, like pay yourself first and assets versus liabilities and stuff like that. So it's taught there. Okay. Um, but I feel like my book can be a, a supplement, you know, to what they to what they teach inside the uh, in the school system as well. Right. Because, again, it's still relatable information mm -hmm. and it can help because sometimes the information that you get in the classroom may be more rigid. Yeah. But a book is something the kid could take home and read at their leisure. Right. And there'll be information they want to read. Right. Because the book is interesting. It's engaging. They can relate to the characters. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'll be able to absorb the information that way as well. Right. So perhaps let's say if it's if they take the class their sophomore year, mm -hmm. if they read the book the summer before their sophomore year, they'll already be familiar with some of the terminology and stuff like that, which would be easier for them to understand, okay, what's coming from the curriculum that's coming, coming within the classroom. Excellent. Yeah, I see that. Right. So, so you're not really looking um, to be a part of the curriculum or go into schools and, and teach a portion of it. You're just trying to have your book as a part of the lesson plan or reading requirements, like some yeah. reading requirements. Yeah. And I can also come to the schools too and, you know, kind of help, you know, I've taught in the, in the public school system as well for a short period of time. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I, I took a stab at that. Oh, what'd you teach? Uh, economics and personal finance. Okay. What grade? What grade level? Um, it was the sophomores. Um, sophomores in oh, high school. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you're well experienced with. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> like I guess it was a short period of time I did it. Yeah. You know, so, okay. but uh, but it was an experience. I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, anything else that you have that uh, that are your aspirations except for your next books that are coming? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like I said, I got the podcast coming out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, tell me about the podcast. What's it? What's it going to be geared towards? Yeah, so it's, it's called, as I said, Malik's first job podcast, kind of based off the book. Mm -hmm. um, this we want to provide information resources to parents and teens in areas of financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and um, leadership. Okay. Yeah, so it's giving them information and resources that can help them. You know, guide. You know, help to help raise the kids and learn about different information. That's good. Some something that they can uh, take with them and listen to often. And, yeah. And help them digest things that they're learning yeah. either uh, at school or through the book. Yeah, you know, because you know, raising teenagers, they have like a lot that they have to absorb. You yeah. know, they're getting ready for college. Okay. Well, what's the student loan? Pro like, what's the college? Um, application process. Yeah. Okay, student loans. Do I have to get a student loan? Is there other ways I can um, finance for school? Um, buying my first car, get my first apartment, things mm -hmm. of that sort. You know, let's kind of give them that supplemental information to help them as they transition into adulthood. Yeah. And some of the things parents don't even know themselves that like they they may not be able to teach it, but they have some. They can lean on the information in the podcast to help them. Um, supplement what they don't know. You're right. Parents don't know. I'm one of yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, speaking from a you know, financial standpoint, what, what is the best age to start, like, um, you know, saving or preparing for college? I know oh. Virginia is one of the states that have, um, I forget the name of the, the 529, program, 529, 529 program. program. Is that a good program or do you, yeah. do you see it 
a different way of uh, funding college to be better. Like yeah, so I think um, for, from what I understand about the 529, it's a, it's a great program. And you had asked earlier about when, when, when's a good time to start. You know, if you the earlier you prepare, the more time you have. Right. Okay. Um, so I think from the time the child is born, hmm. you know, you can, you have that gives you what 18 years to save. And if you understand the, uh, the rule of 72 and the signs of compound interest, that gives you 18 years for your money to double. Right. It's um, depending upon the interest rates you have. Um, I think I, I don't want to quote the wrong number, but I know that the um, the 529, from what I understand, it, it's higher than the, the, the interest rate. Is either at the rate of inflation or a little, little bit higher, like about four or five percent. Okay. Then you have to you have to check it online just to make sure. Yeah. Um, you know, seek out a financial advisor to get the the right numbers. But if you were able to invest, you know, put some money into the side, a hundred dollars. You know, let's say you get paid every two weeks. That's a hundred dollars every two weeks. That's uh, twenty six hundred dollars a year. Mm. You know, that's what ten years. That's what twenty six thousand dollars. Right. And let's say 20, that's almost 20 years. That's 18. That's, let's say 20 years. So that's 20, that's $52,000. Yeah. That's not even counting the interest that you earn on it. Mm-hmm. Right. From it, from it doubling. So, you know, if you were able to give your child $52,000 to start at least, with, yeah. you know, that's for college, that's depending upon where they go, they can go to community college. Yeah. You know, then they have some extra money to play with, okay. you know. So, um, so it's different ways. You just got to plan. Okay. You know, as they say, if you are, if you plan to fail, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you start earlier on, the earlier you start, the better. All right. Yeah. So, so I'll definitely make sure, uh, well, I can't do it now. My daughter is in her senior year. So not, right. not for her, but for my youngest yeah. son, I could definitely start um, looking into something like the 529. Yeah. Uh, but even for like for your older child, your child is ready to get ready for college. You can look into scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know, there's several websites you can go to that have like databases. Okay. For scholarships, um, I've learned that uh, oftentimes people, t- they'll look at something, oh, I probably won't even um, get that. And they don't apply for it. And the money still sits out there. Yeah. You know, you won't know until you, until you try. And, you know, there's um, also scholarships for kids as, long, as young as like five years old. What? Yeah. If, if some, <laughs> some of the databases um, have wow. like a whole listing of like, I think like um, Google has a, like an art scholarship, they, they draw yeah. a pitch and submit it. Uh-huh. They can get a couple dollars that goes towards their college education, stuff like that. So you just have to research it and see what's out there. Yeah, start putting the time and energy into uh, looking those things up yeah. early, like, yep. you, like you just said. Yeah, I didn't even know there was um, a such thing as all those different scholarships. I thought yeah. pretty much academic and athletic scholarships. I didn't oh, know no, there's, there's yeah, all kind of money. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, even like uh, we had the... Uh, like the Morgan State Alumni chapter here in Richmond, uh, we had some funds that, you know, uh, nobody applied for it. So the funds that sat there mm-hmm. until, you know, someone finally applied for it and they got it. You know, it yeah. was just sitting there. We were like, okay, we're just begging people to apply for the scholarship and people were just not, didn't apply. But then finally someone did and he was able to get the. Yeah. For that know. for that particular scholarship, is that for people who attend Morgan yeah, State? Yeah, we had people going to Morgan State. Okay. Yeah. And there's other, other alumni associations go through the same thing. Okay. Where they have funds to give away, and it's like kids just aren't applying. Either they don't know that it's, it's available, or you know they just you know just aren't jumping on it. Yeah, don't want to take the time. Yeah, because some of it can be a lot uh, yeah. to, to write an essay or do something like that. But you mm-hmm. got to be willing to yeah. uh, go for it. Like you said, yeah. you don't know until you try for it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What about other um, financial advice that that you give for people and their children. I know you do a lot of investing for your kids. And yeah. Can yeah. you tell me how uh, either myself or 
the viewers mm-hmm. can start investing for the drug? Oh, wow. There's like several like um, brokerage um, apps, you know, that, that allow you to open up custodial accounts for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, like Ally Bank. Um, I think TD Ameritrade allows you to open up um, uh, accounts for your children. Okay. Um, I recently signed up for another one called uh, Greenlight, right? Because what happened, I had a, um, an Ally account, but my kids didn't have visibility into it. Uh-huh. Like I was putting money away, but they couldn't see it. Okay. Right. So I wanted to get something where my kids would have visibility and see, okay, see how the money's growing. Mm-hmm. So with, with like with Greenlight, um, they're able to get their own debit card. They can download the app and they can see, you know, the, the money being put in and the activity is taking place okay. as, as they're investing. Um, so, um, so I got that. So again, you have to do some more research. There's several yeah. different apps out there and you can just, you know, invest you know, for your children to have them see it and, you know, they, they can learn the process of investing from there. So with, with those type of accounts, is it, um, are, are you talking about bank accounts? Or are you talking about investing in like stocks? It's stock, stock accounts. Stock accounts. Stock accounts. Like my son, he has like, being the fact that he's into Nike, mm-hmm. now he has shares of Nike, well, partial shares of Nike stock. Wow. You know, right. and that way I try to show him to be, you know, don't just be a consumer, have the mindset of an owner. So now, you know, I guess when the time comes and he starts, he starts seeing dividends, he can see, okay, when Nike makes, made a profit this year, right? Because all you and your friends out there buying shoes, yeah. now you got some of that profit back. You're getting some money back. You know, just have that different mindset as opposed to saying, okay, I want to wear the Nikes and look fresh. No, understand, mm-hmm. okay, with all your friends looking fresh, know that every time you see them buying those new J's, yeah. right, it's cha-ching, it's going it's to come back to you. So you can still have the shoes and enjoy life and things like that. But also had a mindset that, that I'm gonna invest and become, um, you know, a, a shareholder. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and then that way you can have the conversations like, okay, well, now you you are part owner yeah. of Nike, or perhaps like with my daughter, she had like Apple, mm-hmm. right? Because she has an iPhone and stuff like that. So now you know that, okay, well, you own piece of Apple, mm-hmm. and now now they want to pay more attention to what's taking place. You can kind of show them different headlines when things happen. When the prices go up and down, and how it impacts, yeah. you know, different things. And again, you can have those conversations. Those conversations help teach them, mm-hmm. you know, how the how the whole system works. Yeah, so it's real life training and, and application, right? Um, so when they get into something like that app that you have a custodial account for them, mm-hmm. you said they can monitor it. Are they able to move the stocks and stuff around? Or are they just able to kind of monitor the price went up and went down? Well, when they can, if they want to, um, the thing is with the app, um, if they wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. Some shit, like they'll put in the request, but it comes back to me and I have to approve it. Oh, right? that's good. Yeah, okay. even with Greenlight, they have the function, whereas um, it's a debit card. They get a mm-hmm. debit card and the kids can spend money and stuff like that. And the, the parents get a chance to monitor how the kids are spending money through the app. Okay. You know, so you can kind of help, you know, teach them the discipline and stuff like that, saving and everything like that. Yeah, so, so there there is a little bit of a... a Checks and balance yeah, with it. Yeah, it's not yeah. just um, it out there willy-nilly. So, yeah, but I was gonna say if they're, if they're learning, they might get um, you know too ahead of themselves and say, right. okay, I want to start actually trading some of these stocks or, yeah. or selling them, and may not be the best move for them. Right, right. Yeah, kind of like like last guy transfer, transferred some money into the account, and I told my son, yeah, go ahead and um, you know buy some stuff. I told my daughter, you know, here's you know twenty dollars, go spend it on whatever you want in the, as far as stocks. Yeah. And when they did the transactions, then it sent an alert to my phone saying, okay, well, your son is trying to buy this. Is it okay? You said, okay, approve it. Right. Yeah. So it's, 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 there's checks and balances behind it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely going to um, get into that, set those yeah. up 
Uh, I don't have any custodial accounts for my kids. Only thing I've been doing is kind of saving on their behalf. Right. There's not anything that they can have visibility into. Right. I think that'd be an awesome, awesome yeah. lesson for them. Yeah. Again, that way you can have the conversation. They can see it and they, they learn firsthand. Yeah. Right. Maybe they get inquisitive, ask their own questions, and I can dig right. deeper or maybe point them to your direction. Yeah. So I don't know finances <laughs> as well as you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. <laughs> There's a man who made a lot of mistakes in the past is that, that learned from those mistakes. Okay. Yeah. But I tell people all the time, you know, you can read a book about riding a bike. Yeah. Or you can actually get on the bike and ride and see what it is, right? Because you can read a book all day, but until you get on that bike and start trying to balance mm-hmm. yourself is when you're going to learn how to do it. Yeah. Right? So the same thing, you can uh, you know, read a whole bunch of books about money, or you can have conversations about money, but until you actively start participating in doing different things with money, that's when you actually learn right. how things go. All right. I'll make sure. I, yeah. I'm going to start implementing immediately. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. Believe me. So, um I just want to kind of recap what I do is uh, this success leaves clues podcast. So I try to point out a few clues that um, at least I identified, uh, you know, during our time together. Okay, And hopefully the viewers found those same clues and hopefully they found even more and they'll comment and and, and share a few with me. Okay, But uh, one thing I found is uh, you you talked about uh, having a coach and Mm -hmm. a mentor and and your village community. And I know that's important. That's something I feel like we have gotten away from yeah. in society in general. Yes. But uh, I think you know, I'm not going to get into why, but I think people are a little bit in their feelings and they don't like people to to be involved in their in their kids. I think what it is, you know, um, like I guess uh, everyone is, I guess, is individual. Uh-huh. Everyone is individualized. Okay. As long as I have, okay, my I got food in my fridge, cable TV. Everything okay, I'm good. I don't have to worry about nothing that goes on outside the house. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But um, again, when I came up, again, everyone lived, you know, in the community. Everyone grew up in the community. You knew, okay, that's so and so's son, that's so and so's mother, right? You know, okay, that's little Johnny. Now, he may be acting a fool now, but I knew him since I raised him since he was small. Yeah. Oh, that's the the wino in the corner. Yeah, he ain't gonna bother nobody. He just gonna sit out there and drink and do whatever. Right. Yeah. Or the guys on the corner. Yeah. You know, whatever. You know, they do their thing, but, you know, they still look out for the community. Yeah. Right. Um, again, and they had respect for the elders because every, everyone knew each other. Mm-hmm. Right. But now, you know, you have a time of people like they transition, they go to college, they move away. Mm-hmm. So it's like that same um, community feeling, whereas you were born and raised in, in that same, area. Yeah. You know, it's like now people are strangers and you don't trust anybody. Yeah. You know. Um, it was so funny is that the other day I was coming home from uh, from Walmart one night and I was driving down Brook Road and I see this gentleman like he had on uh, um, his work uniform. Okay. Right. It was it was pitch black. He wrote, he's walking down the road. I'm like, man, you know, I would like to offer him a ride, you know, because it's pitch black out here. His cars and he's walking like on the side of the road. But I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he may come in. You may try to do something to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, I may try to go off my right. He may look at me and be like, he don't know me. He don't know you. <laughs> right? Right. So, right. so it's just like, man, it's just so sad in the world that we live in that we don't trust each other anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of, you know, you see that that's collapsed society. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Man, it's, we we got to get back to the community. Yeah. Though. yeah we the, get back the, to the common, I, you know, I talked about that. I talked about it in the book, too. Uh, community is common unity. You know, where we look out for each other, you know. You know, work together to make things happen. All right. There's a yeah. lot in that book. <laughs> Don't yeah. miss it. So like I said, I'll make sure they have access not only to um, 
not only to your nonprofit and yeah. you know being able to find out what type of events, but also uh, to the book, yeah. Um, so they can get that resources okay. valuable. All right, yeah. I want to make sure they get that in their hands too. But um, outside of that, um, I did you know notice outside of the community, but you talked a lot about investing early mm-hmm. and um, being able to help uh, your kids understand finances and, right. and, and things like that. Uh, that's a major ticket. And then another one that I took away was a big one is, uh, you know, kind of to sum it up, but dress for success, you know, just yeah. being the part that you want to have. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of learn that the hard way. I've learned it the hard way. I've actually been through a similar yeah. uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely want to take those, you know, with me. And ho- I hope that the uh, yeah. the viewers can take that with them. Yes. And uh, please, like I said, comment anything else that you that you pointed out, because, you yeah. uh, Kerwin is a wealth of knowledge. And he, gave us, <laughs> he gave us a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, as always, I just want to remind everybody that nothing is impossible. If you dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time on the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.